Here on your Monday, we're going to talk a little Vanderbilt football. Continuing on with our make or break SEC series, folks may be wondering, well, why are they talking about Vanderbilt football? We've been going through make or break factors for each SEC team to prepare you all and preview the next football season. We figured it would be fitting to talk about Vanderbilt on a Monday. So let's talk about the Vanderbilt Commodores make or break factors. Let's do our best here to preview the 2021 football season. I think it starts with this defense, but it's not the only thing. I think if you're looking at this from from a a a a, a view where you're 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 moving in with Vanderbilt Vanderbilt football into a new age, right? If you're looking at this from from a a, a outsider's perspective, and you're looking at Vanderbilt football, you could probably make the argument that make or break factors. You could probably say everything, everything. <laughs> Throw it all in there. But I think it starts with this defense. If you're looking at it closer, 37.3 points per game given up in a 10-game schedule last season, even though Vanderbilt only played nine games. What comes back off of that defense? 57% of its returning production. That's statistically, uh, compared to the rest of you know the national landscape, that's not good. That's 102nd nationally. I would argue that that's a pretty good thing. You know, we talk. I talk a lot about returning production and how important it is for different teams like LSU and Auburn and the, the team's legitimate ability to compete for national titles if they after they have a build-up year. For Vanderbilt, if they're trying to rebuild, I wouldn't want a lot of production coming back from a team that gave up 37 points per game I'd want some new faces some new guys to come in and maybe potentially step up and make this defense better and I think I think uh, I think Clark Lee's going to be able to do that looking on the other side of the football though as far as returning production is concerned 75 percent and that's 50th nationally comes back for a team that averaged 14.8 points per game and uh, I like this offense though don't I, be hating I don't I don't think that's necessarily good but that's what I was about to say is I think this quarterback that they have in Ken Seals is going to play I think he's going to be able to progress I think we saw him do some good things in the opener against Texas A&M relatively efficient for an offense that only scored 12 points that day um I don't <laughs> think I don't think he I didn't think he looked terrible I'm gonna be uh, t- well Ken on Seals the year he nearly had a 65 percent completion percentage so now had, you go and look at his yards per attempt only like 6.7 which is not good he was throwing a lot of five yard passes right right but Ken Seals definitely as you were putting it he's an efficient guy so he he was 64.6 percent on the year 12 touchdowns 10 interceptions and almost 2,000 yards passion, passing in a year where they only played nine games averaged like 219 yards per game that's not bad that's not bad at all and when you look at his highlight games you know he did it against some pretty decent defenses um, albeit there weren't a lot in the SEC last season. He had 336-yard passing against Mississippi State. That it was his season high against a state defense that was actually pretty stout. He, he uh, Let's see, 319 yards passing against Ole Miss. Granted, Ole Miss may be one of the worst secondaries in the country, but you know he was he was able to actually tear it up. He was able to do some things. He was able to be efficient. Never threw more than two touchdowns in a game, though. I'd like to see him actually step up and, and have a game where he, he looked legitimate. Still the 12th touchdowns to 10 interceptions of the fact that Vanderbilt only scored two touchdowns a game so not a good right. look but but he was he was efficient for an offense that was not great and it was I was the best part of a bad thing yes I think that's a good way to put it so moving forward as far as make or break factors are concerned it's getting this defense to group together with some new guys and say all right we're going to change everything because obviously what we were doing last season was not working and as far as the offense goes I think you can keep a lot of it the same I think Ken Seals is going to be able to consistently 
progress as a quarterback and you got to be able to get your receivers going cam johnson was somebody last season that i would have liked to see get the ball just a little bit more 545 yards three touchdowns 54 receptions i think he's going to be a stud this season uh, albeit at a Vanderbilt football program, but a stud nonetheless. So I think there's some potential for Vanderbilt this season. They've just got to be able, like I said, if you're looking at this from an outsider's perspective, if you're looking, looking at this from a story-tall view, if you're looking at this from above, you would say, eh, they got to change everything. And I think that's a legitimate argument. But when you get down to it, there are individual things that Vanderbilt could do to to improve. And I think it starts with continuing what you're doing on offense and just rebranding on defense. Going through our make or break factors for SEC teams in 2021. That's how we've gotten on to talking about Vanderbilt football here on your Monday afternoon. I'm going to take this towards the schedule for Vanderbilt next football season. I think it's absolutely imperative they go 4 0 in non conference play. I think that's a make or break factor for this team next year. You look at the non conference schedule, they play East Tennessee State, Colorado State, Stanford, and UConn. Now, there's one game in there where it really doesn't look likely that they're going to win it, that being the Stanford football game. But they played ETSU a couple of years ago, beat them 38 or 48 to 0. That's an FCS school, albeit they had a pretty good year this year. I actually think they were a top 25 FCS school, but I think they went like 4 2 in the spring season. Not a bad football team by any means, but they're playing ETSU after a very short offseason, considering the spring year just ended for a lot of those teams in the FCS just a month or so ago. They're going to be playing on short rest. Game one of the year, September 4th. Vanderbilt should cruise in that one. They also should easily beat one of the worst, if not the worst, and that's hard to do considering there's UMass as well, the two U schools up in the Northeast. UMass and UConn are the two worst football programs in the fbs over the last four or five years i think that's reserved for umass and akron but then uconn's right there i I would say that they're right up there with them right and and that's shocking for uconn a former big east school that has that went to a bcs game in the last decade people forget that they played oklahoma in a bcs game they were eight and five but they did yeah auto bids were a bad idea back then eight and five big east teams northern illinois made it to a to a bcs game as well people man, forget oh that also <laughs> jacob's over here like that was peak football if you'll if you'll remember kent state was in the running for that bcs bid that year as well oh, that man. was a wild <laughs> year man that was a wild year and then i think back to like 08 or, or 07 yep. when illinois behind juice williams made it to a bcs game in the same year that kansas made it to a bcs game good times good times good when ncaa football actually looks real right (laughs) nice and fun yeah you and i've actually talked about it a little bit about how this college football season could end up being wild and i'm not said it on air i don't even think i've said it off air but be careful you could see 2007 levels of of anarchy here in the college football landscape i think it could be a lot of fun this year i hope so i hope so that could also lead to more chalk at the top though I think we saw that to a degree in basketball. That's why we got Baylor Gonzaga in the title game. But still talking about this non-conference schedule for Vanderbilt. You you look to beat ETSU and UConn. And then you've got Colorado State on the road in week two. And if you can get past that, you're you're three and one across your non-conference games. That's not going to be an easy trip to Colorado. The altitude difference, that's going to be something to struggle with. And this Colorado State team hasn't been bad in recent memory, but they haven't been great either and and last year in a shortened year where they only played four games they were one and three they were not a good football team last year you would think though that the sec team has more talent 
than the Mountain West team. Well, considering our, our Colorado State's already beaten an SEC program at home within the last three years, I'd be a little bit concerned there. But I, I agree with you. I think Colorado State has fallen off a little bit as far, even though they've been a consistent like six and six, five and seven program. They've been consistently worse over the past couple of years, and I think a lot of it has to do with their offense and and Mike Bobo leaving. Anyway, that's that's up for, for another <laughs> conversation, but. But the game you really have to center on in the non-conference schedule that breaks it is the Stanford game. And Stanford is not the same Stanford team that they were in the first half of the David Shaw tenure. The Stanford team is only two years removed from going 4-8 back in like 2018. Last year, they were pretty good, 4-2. and two, But still, this is a beatable Stanford team, as is much of the Pac-12. And this is going to be game three for Vanderbilt, a statement game for Clark Lee, especially if they're 2-0 going into it. You imagine, and if they're not 2-0, it's a moot point, but if they are 2-0 going into this, say they beat Colorado State at Colorado State, Vanderbilt gives it their all. We've seen them do this in the last three, four years against some decent football programs. They beat Kansas State back in 2017 and hung with Notre Dame back in 2018, only lost 22-17 that year. It's very possible for this Vanderbilt team at home in Nashville to be able to upset Stanford where they actually might have a home environment because I have a hard time believing that they're going to travel from the West Coast to Nashville. I have a hard time believing that. This Vanderbilt team could make a statement early on. If you go 4-0 in non-con play, all right, can you find two more in SEC play? Probably not, but you get a favorable draw from the West. You get to play Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Maybe you sneak one off against Mississippi State. Maybe you upset South Carolina. I say upset. That's the bottom of the barrel. Maybe you find a way to take one of those teams down. You haven't had bad luck against Tennessee in recent memory either. Maybe you can find two. Maybe you can beat Kentucky. I don't know. Can you find two against some of the bottom half teams in the East? And if you can, you're going bowling. If you don't go 4-0 in the non-con, though, there's no shot for a bowl game. And the last time Missouri visited Nashville, they actually lost. And it's a home game for Vanderbilt this season right before their bye week. So that's another potential win there. And I've hyped up Missouri more than anybody <laughs> in, yeah. the, in the country this this offseason. But, you know, that could be a potential win there if, if Missouri doesn't get things up and rolling, if you see them maybe lose to Boston College early in the season. The thing is, in normal football season, so excluding last year, this Vanderbilt team doesn't go undefeated in non-conference play and guess what they don't go to bowl games they need those four wins in non-conference play because it's hard for them to win three games they are not better than anybody in the southeastern conference they have to upset two teams on their schedule every year just to make it to a bowl game just to make it they have to get as close to that mark as possible that's why i said it's a make or break factor now is it make or break for clark lee that he doesn't make it to a bowl game in year one no way They just want to see more competitive nature out of this Vanderbilt team. They wanted to be tough again like they were in the first half under Derek Mason when they were going to bowl games. Because he did take them to two bowl games. People forget about that. He did take them to two. And so for me, when I'm looking at make or break for this year, I want to see them be tough. I want to see them be a tough team against other SEC schools, not just get destroyed from the the onset of the game. And win all your non-conference games to at least give you a chance at going to a bowl game in December. You know, something that Brian Harson was talking about whenever he was initially brought on with Auburn is, you know, I want to see this team be competitive. And every single game that we play, Auburn has to be competitive. I think that's a mindset that you can easily apply to Vanderbilt. If you're looking at being 3-0 and and have just beaten Stanford, a Power 5 school at home, going into that Georgia game, not saying that they'd win even close, but I'm saying if you make that game competitive, if you, if you look competitive in that, in that football game against Georgia, that speaks volumes to where you are as 
a coach and where your program's at moving forward. Then you get to play UConn, you're 4-1, and one, heading into the game against Florida. If you can at least look semi-decent on the road and you go and play South Carolina, again, like you said, they'd have to upset them. But at that point, they'd be 4-2, and two, and they're, they're looking very optimistic heading into the stretch. Uh, down in October and November, you get, like you said, you get to play Mississippi State. That three-game stretch with South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Missouri couldn't be any better before you get a bye. Could not be any better. There's a, there's a good chance that if Vanderbilt gets hot early, they could potentially upset a couple of teams and easily make a bowl. You could get to six. I can see this team getting to six wins. 100%. But it, it, once again, it goes back to how you started the segment. They got to score more than 14 points and they got to give up less than 37, right? Which was what they were at last year. And they got to go undefeated in a non-conference play and at least look competitive early. Yep, that's right. Beat the teams they can beat. South Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi State. I'd say more Mississippi State and and South Carolina in that that conference schedule as well. And we saw Vanderbilt do that early last season. What did they do? Only lose 17 to 12 against the top 10 team in the country. But after that, it was bad. After that, it was bad. But you got to be able to... Again, I think looking competitive early speaks volumes, especially if you can go 3-0 and in non-conference play. And I think that's going to help this season for sure because you wouldn't, in a normal season, you wouldn't start out on the road against the top 10 team in the country if you're Vanderbilt. It also helps out that Kellamond had like four fumbles in that game and AM had six, the most accident-prone team in the SEC. Let's just say I wouldn't have them helping me move anything or I would not trust them to eat anything on my couch because they are very prone to drop it (laughs) on the other side of this break we're going to talk about aaron Rodgers not being at otas what do we even believe about this situation in green bay all that and more coming up as we wrap up the show on the other side of this break 